Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Q, and welcome to the Just Create Podcast Show. Now, I'm pretty sure y'all like, yo, Q, this is the second time, man. This is the second time, and I apologize. I apologize. It's just the whole Skype thing. When I say Skype to people, it's like a foreign language to people sometimes. They're like, yo, I use Zoom. I use all these other programs, but you want me to log on to Skype? I haven't logged on to Skype since 1920, but nah, just all jokes aside, I'm sorry that I delayed you guys a little bit, but again, welcome to the Just Create Podcast Show. Now, I go through my normal house cleaning things. I'm going to try and make it real quick for you guys now. Now, if you're watching, if you're watching this live, hey, first off, thank you for um, liking the Just Create Podcast Show page. I know it's a little bit new for you guys. I'm normally going live on my Shaquan Brown page, but I wanted to give you a community, a place where you can, you know what I'm saying, throw your question in um, and just all, all those different things. I wanted to give you guys a dedicated place that wasn't just on me, but more so for the podcast itself. And if you are watching this live, I have the mayor on. Yeah, it's, there's no surprise. I have the mayor on. So if you are watching this live, I want you to share this right now. I'm giving you 10 seconds. All right, that's enough time. Share this live, share this live. And of course, if you are listening on replay, in the comments right down there, you know, right down there, I need you to go ahead and hashtag replay for me. I would really appreciate it. And then for all those that are listening on the podcast itself, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I appreciate it. Thank you. And if you are listening on Spotify, I need you to follow the Spotify page. Do that for me. I would really appreciate it. And I'm not going to hold y'all because I know I'm like eh, 20 minutes behind, but I want to make sure that I go ahead and, um, and let you know and see who the guest is. And with no further ado, welcome Mr. Corey Woods, man. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? What's, go- what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing today? I can't complain. I'm just happy to be on the show. I appreciate you having me. Oh, man. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, I've had the privilege to see you um, speak um, at the the um um, what was it? Uh, it was uh, we were with a uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank that day during uh, Black Valley History Bank. Month. Yes, yep. yes, yes. I mean, that was an amazing event uh, for for um, Black History Month. And mm-hmm. months later, I read it to you while I was doing a photo shoot <laughs> <laughs> while you were picking up food. So I mean, yeah, in mysterious ways. But I'm glad to have you onto the show. I'm glad that you accepted the invitation as well. And I want to give the people the opportunity since we kept them waiting for a little while and they may not know because even when I mentioned your name to people, they were like, wait, what? Mayor? Huh? What? Black? Oh, my gosh. So go ahead and just introduce yourself real quick and let them know who you are and we'll go ahead and get into it. Sure. So uh, I'm Corey Woods, and I am the one who's responsible for the technical delay. It's not Shaquan. It was me who was having some problems. I'm typically pretty good for technology, but for whatever reason tonight, my brain just was not functioning. So I apologize for the 20-minute late start. But with that (laughs) said, um, uh, Corey Woods, uh, newly elected mayor of the city of Tempe. I've been mayor now since July 2nd, so a little over three weeks. Uh, I also am the chief of staff at ASU Preparatory Academy, which is a uh, K-12 charter school division within ASU. Uh, yeah. I've been there now. It'll be almost four years in November. So uh, really excited. Still working both jobs, having a great time, and uh, just excited to be serving the residents of Tempe and excited to be on tonight. Wow. Wow. I really I really, I really appreciate you. I mean, I can only imagine just even with a, with a couple of weeks in during this time how busy your schedule is. 
It's, I mean, it's crazy right now. I mean, look, when I, I won the election back on March 10th, so a little over four wow. months ago, and at that point, I mean, but the entire world has completely turned upside down since that time. I mean, yes. during during that election, we talked a lot about uh, how do we address some of the traffic problems in Tempe and working on economic development and helping a lot of our small businesses, affordable housing, homelessness. And since that time, so much has happened with COVID-19 and, you know, and George Floyd. And so the entire agenda has sort of completely been changed. I'm still going to be working on a lot of the things that I talked about during the course of my campaign. But of course, part of my job is making sure that I'm focusing on relevant issues to people in the community. So I'm going to be trying to juggle all of it at the same time. It's a lot, uh, but I'm excited about the opportunity to produce some systemic change. Absolutely. And I love it. And before I get into some questions that were that were submitted um, to us, I want you to kind of give a, a, a brief overview of your journey. I mean, I don't think you just popped up one day and now you're the, the mayor of Tempe. And of course, being a, a, a black man in this position as well. And I mean, I still Google the mayor of the city of Tempe and it's someone totally different. But just kind of give us a brief overview and walk us through that journey, how you got to the place that you are now. Sure. So uh, I I actually started, I ran for the city council first in uh, 2006. Uh, I'd only been in Tempe at that point for about three years. And I was one of five candidates for that race. And I actually finished dead last fifth that time that I ran, because yeah. that time, like you said, I just kind of popped up. It was just yeah. one of these things where I moved here. I fell in love with the city. I was going to graduate school at ASU, made a decision I wanted to get involved in politics. It had been kind of a lifelong dream of mine, but it didn't quite work out that time. After I lost that election, though, uh, my profile had been raised from just sort of running citywide. And a yeah. lot of folks began to approach me to say, you know, it wasn't that we didn't like you. We just didn't know who you were. And yeah. so if you want to get more involved in the community, we'd love to have you. I was 27 years old at the time, and I remember just saying, well, yeah, I mean, whatever you have in mind, let's do it. So people began to offer me all these different uh, nonprofit board appointments, you know, Boys and Girls Club, Tempe Community Action Agency, all of these, you know, these things that really worked in areas, homelessness, affordable housing, food pantries. And so I just said, you know, look, I really want to get involved. And so I got involved. And next thing you know, I went from being on not a single board to five in about a matter of two to three months after losing wow. that first election. So after that happened, about probably six, seven months in, there were a number of people who began to approach me uh, thinking that there might be an open seat in the 2008 Tempe City Council race and wondering if I would actually consider running. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to run if you're if you're willing to support me. Uh, yeah. I want to throw my hat in the ring. And sure enough, you know, that time I did win. So at the age of uh, 29, I was elected to the Tempe City Council and I became the uh, first African-American ever elected to the Tempe City Council. Wow. Dropped a bomb on that. So so where are you originally from? You, I'm, I, hear, I heard you mention that you had probably been in, in Tempe for a short amount of time before you actually dove into the, the government side of things. Where were you originally from? So I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, but I mostly Atlanta. grew up in. Yeah, absolutely. So, but uh, just got I back from Atlanta. <laughs> you just got back. Okay, I was yeah. say it's probably probably a lot more humid down there right now than it is oh, here. Man. But, uh, not, but we, I love it. We, I love it down there. I'm hot, hot. Exactly. I was down with a family reunion a few years back in Savannah, and let me tell you, it was I have not felt humidity like that in quite some time. So, yeah, I but, love um, the dry heat. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, I've been out here now. Uh, let's see. I've been out here for 17 years, moved out here in 2003, but I, I primarily grew up in the New York area um, in the Bronx for a couple of years. Uh, my dad's from Harlem. My mom was from the South Bronx. Uh, but then at some point they got tired of living in the city and they moved us out to Westchester County uh, in a city called New Rochelle, which is really where I grew up. Uh, but if I have to list where I, where I grew up, it's, it's definitely New Rochelle, New York. And uh, yeah. that is still, you know, when I'm not here, that's my second home. Uh, yeah. And uh, the other part of the story I didn't finish from before was actually saying that, you know, I served eight years on the city council once I got elected in July of 2008, uh, finished up in July of 2016, finished my term as vice mayor of the city and just made a decision that I wanted to go do something else for the time being. Uh, we actually don't have any term limits, so I could have continued running, and I, I possibly could have gotten reelected. I guess we'll never know. But yeah. I left the council <laughs> at that point because there were just some other things I really wanted to do, and I was working a full-time job at the uh, at the Greater Phoenix Urban League at the time. Wow. And also, you know, I, I following in my dad's footsteps, he was very involved uh, in civil rights. And so okay. I really wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, play my part over there as well. Um, but then I decided I wanted to, you know, just get back involved in city politics after I'd been out for a couple of years yes. and made the decision to run for mayor. And a lot of people, when I first started talking about it, didn't give me much of a chance. It was just one of these, you know, Corey, you're, you know, you're running up against an incumbent of the same political party. You guys are friends. I don't know how you're really going to differentiate yourselves. You seem like you you get along just fine. And I just don't know uh, if, if this is the right time to be doing something like this. But uh, I just felt that after talking to enough people after about a year and a half, I felt that it was the right time. And I was getting a lot of positive reactions from people in the community. And so with that, uh, in late March of 2019, you know, I jumped, you know, with both feet in into the race. And, you know, we were successful yeah. in uh, in March of 2020. So it all turned out. Well, and so I'm just I'm just excited to be here and excited to do the job. All right, so you you coming from the from the East Coast and traveling to the to the West Coast. Now, was a school that brought you out to the West Coast? It was. So I left uh, New Rochelle, New York, back when I was 17 years old to go to uh, undergrad at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I got my degree in uh, 2000, a bachelor's in political science with a minor in African American studies, and mm -hmm. I ended up staying out there for three more years. And just kind of made the determination that my career was not going in the right direction. And so I you know, made a decision to go to graduate school. And Arizona State University had a great program in the educational policy area. And that was what I really wanted to study was how to change uh, the world of K-12 education and beyond. But also kind of looking at it from a kind of a race and gender and socioeconomic focus. And so I ended up coming down here in uh, 20, uh, 2003. And I actually thought I would only be here for probably two or three years while I got my master's degree. And then I was going to go on and get a Ph.D. somewhere, probably at a different school. But I just fell in love with the city of Tempe and did not want to leave and got involved in the political arena. And I guess here I am. Here you are. And I and I love it. I mean, I think it's a it's a message of hope. I actually shared with my son who I was actually speaking with today and he was like, wait, uh, black. <laughs> wait, what are, you, what are you talking about? But I mean, to get into some of the questions that we have here, um, one of the questions that came up is there is a wide wealth gap um, between black people and other races. Um, what should black people be demanding from politicians to help shorten that gap? I think there are a number of things, you know, from politicians and just otherwise. I mean, clearly, uh, you know, I mean, education is a real key. And I think we absolutely deserve to have 
uh, equal access and equal, equal opportunity when it comes to education. Because, I mean, we know we do find that people many times who end up going uh, to college and getting a degree or two over the period of a lifetime tend to have much more in the way of earnings potential. And so I think that's something we obviously have to encourage folks to do. Uh, then at the same time, though, I would, I would encourage entrepreneurship and, and opening up a small business. I, I have a lot of friends who said, look, you know, I really don't want to work for someone else. I want a chance to build my own wealth and keep my money in the community uh, and donate to causes that are personally important to me to be able to hire my own folks. And so I think that, you know, clearly, um, oh, let's see here. Connection okay? Yep, I got you. I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. I'm back. It looks okay. like. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think the, you know, from my perspective, I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, going to, you know, going to college and getting a degree or perhaps it's, you know, starting a small business and getting into the entrepreneurship world. I think that all of those areas are ways to to build wealth and to make sure that uh, the money stays in the community and that, you know, everything you do sort of, you know, and the money you spend reflects your values. And so that's what I would definitely encourage, you know, up and coming African-Americans to do. Okay, so uh, so what what things are um, Tempe putting in place for individuals that are looking to start small businesses, especially during the midst of the pandemic with a lot of individuals losing their business and not really feeling motivated? Well, a lot of people are feeling motivated to because they see that technology is probably going to take away some of their jobs. But what are some things that you plan to do um, in the city of Tempe to support entrepreneurs and especially minority entrepreneurs? So one of the things that the city of Tempe was actually doing even before I got there, they were developing this right before I started as mayor, was okay. making sure that small businesses could get loans during this time and could, you know, could take advantage of some of the, the federal loan programs that were coming out. They, I know they also partnered with a uh, local credit union, uh, Desert Financial, to provide yeah. loans to people. And, 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 and I actually, one of the things I know that they were doing was they were, they were keeping track of how many of those loans are given out to black and brown businesses. So it's oh, wow. trying to make sure that, that businesses that are already established and might be struggling due to the pandemic have an opportunity to stay open by giving them money for payroll so they can continue to pay their employees and keep their doors open. At the same time, I'm also on the board of another local credit union called Landings Credit Union, which used to be known as Tempe Schools Credit Union. Uh, okay. They also have a huge focus on making sure that we're also involved in giving out loans uh, for the payment protection program uh, through the federal government, payroll protection program, yes. uh, and making sure, and, and they also keep track of what loans are being given out to local black and brown businesses. And I just had a conversation with our CEO the other day. I happen to be the vice president for that board. I've been on that board now for 10 years. Um, wow. You know, he reached out to me personally and said, you know, what other ways can we uh, engage in to make sure that we really are fulfilling our commitment uh, to black and brown communities? So, I mean, he yeah. reached out to me just, you know, I mean, on Friday afternoon and just said, I know we're already doing an incredible amount, but we need to do more and redouble our efforts to make yeah. sure that we help people survive this time, but also help people who want to start up new businesses. So uh, I think it's part. And actually, let me just say as a shout out too, that's one of the main reasons I'm taking part in a campaign this week called Move Your Money through Local yeah. First Arizona. And one of the main reasons why in and the concept is to move your money from larger banks 
to smaller credit unions and financial institutions that are more community-based. And it's primarily for that reason, because I get to have a conversation one-on-one with the CEO of a local credit union, and we can actually talk about what our shared values are. And I know that the programs coming out of that credit union will benefit people, you know, black and brown people in the area and local people in Tempe. And so, you know, when, when I'm dealing with a larger institution, sometimes it's a little bit harder to direct yes. their corporate values because it's going to a corporate office somewhere in New York or Chicago, Washington, D.C., as opposed to being able to walk right into the credit union right here at Mill and Alameda in Tempe, have a discussion yep. with the CEO and his staff and actually do things that are really, truly going to help uplift everyone. Wow, I love it. Now, staying along those lines, I mean, it's, it's no secret that, um, that systemic racism exists. Um, even for those systems, having diverse representation within those systems help mitigate com um, complete um, ex um, exclusion. There's a two-part question. What are some things that Tempe is doing as it relates to diversity and inclusion? So there are a lot of things, actually. So I, I, and, and some of the things are direct initiatives, and some of them might be considered to be more on the indirect side. So here's an example from an indirect standpoint. Uh, when I was a council member for eight years, I, one of my biggest focuses was on affordable housing. Because my biggest thing was, uh, when I think about people who are many times, let's say, working in the service industry or folks who were just coming out of college and typically that first job, they're not making a lot of money. Yes. You know, one of the things I think about all the time is that the city of Tempe really prides itself on being a diverse, inclusive community. But it can't continue to be that and remain that if we don't have housing for people from all backgrounds and all races and all income demographics. And so one of the things that I've been committed to during my eight years as a council member, and I'm especially committed to uh, as mayor now, during a time uh, of COVID-19 where so many people are either underemployed and, you know, and, and not making as much money as they were prior to the pandemic, or they're yeah. completely unemployed, uh, you know, is making sure that there is housing for everyone who wants to live here and remain within our city. But then yeah. I think it's also a matter of we've had conversations uh, even internally as a city staff about making sure that our departments within the city of Tempe, uh, from a demographic standpoint, truly reflect what the city looks like when it comes to race. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's every department from community services to human services to the police department to the fire department. And if we identify that there's an issue in a certain area, then it's up to us from a responsibility standpoint to go out and begin to recruit people to make sure that these departments are as balanced as they possibly can be. I also right now am having conversations with a couple of my council members uh, okay. who are looking at leading some initiatives regarding our city boards and commissions. And what those are is they're volunteer positions within the city from everything from economic development to transportation, parks and rec, historic preservation. We really we looked at one point and recognized that about 65 percent um, of our boards and commissions are really occupied by men. Okay. And, and we're saying that's not really in a city like Tempe that prides itself on its diversity. That's not very diverse and it's not, frankly, very balanced. It's not okay. saying that the men on those boards are not qualified. It's saying, I know 
there is no problem and no shortage of exceptionally educated, qualified women in the city who also yeah. would like to lend their talents to these boards. So we're looking at that. We're, we're actually going to be looking at at our council retreat that's coming up on August 7th, ways to diversify those boards when it comes to gender, race, everything, to make sure that they truly are representative of the diversity that we have here in the city of Tempe. And I actually had Melody chime in on a question and let me just bring it down real quick she i actually, know melody what's going on yeah. melody <laughs> <laughs> shout out to melody for the question she actually said having successfully been elected in a community comprised of six percent black residents what are your thoughts on the coin phrase systemic racism something that we kind of just talked about so i think we always have to acknowledge that systemic racism exists it, it, it's absolutely there, and there are absolutely sometimes there are clearly challenges for certain people to break through those glass ceilings. And you know, but I think that that's why it's important that you know we, I mean, as African Americans, put ourselves up for these kinds of positions and make sure that we are, you know, that we are represented at the table. I mean, I knew when I first ran for the council back even in 2006, and then again in 2008, the first time that I won, I mean, I had a conversation with a friend at that point who was not saying anything racist to me. They were just basically saying, yeah. Corey, the problem is that no one who looks like you has ever won anything in the city of Tempe, not a state yeah. legislative seat, not a city council seat, not a school board seat. And so perhaps, might it be better for you to consider moving somewhere else, perhaps, let's say, to South Phoenix, that has a higher population uh. of African-Americans and Latinos than actually than being in the city of Tempe. But my perspective was Tempe was my home. It's where yes. I had settled. And my attitude was eventually someone who looks like me is going to win a seat in Tempe. So why not me? Not to mention, not you? Absolutely. there's this other guy, for all the people who are watching this, there was another guy happening to run for a much bigger office in early 2008 named Barack Obama, who was yep. running for president. And yep. something told me just instinctively in my head, as his campaign continued to pick up traction, was that if he can run for president and be a viable presidential candidate, and he was getting to the point of being the front runner. There's yeah. no reason that someone who looks like me can't be elected to the city council here in the city of Tempe. And, and that was the perspective that I went into running as a city council member. And it was the same mindset I had when I came back to run uh, to become the city's first African-American mayor was, you know, maybe no one, no one has looked like me up to this point. But at some point, someone is. And I feel that at this point, I have the, the credentials and the background and the passion for the job that it could be me. And so fortunately yep. for me, it is. Nice, nice. And she actually came with another question that might kind of go along those lines. Let me scroll up here. Let's pull this in real quick. She said, um, as the upcoming presidential election nears, I'm curious on your, she, well, she's curious on your views um, as far as black conservatives who support re-election of President Trump. Look, I think the reality is, um, Black people are not a monolithic group. Um, we, 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 ha we have, just like every other race of people, we have people on all different sides when it comes yeah. to uh, political viewpoints. Uh, I happen to be a Democrat. I've, I've been a Democrat since I was 18 years old. I'm 41 now. Uh, I'm a pretty progressive guy. And that's, but those are my perspectives. At the end of the day, uh, I have people in my own family, people might even be watching this right now, actually, who definitely yes. would, would, would call themselves black conservatives. And I know yes. will be voting for President Trump for his reelection. So 
And, and, and so while we obviously disagree, I mean, I'm going to be casting my ballot for Joe Biden. Uh, we might disagree. But at the end of the day, I, I completely respect and defend their right to have a different perspective than I do. I, I, I hope I hope my choice comes out the way that I would like for it to, you know, given who <laughs> right? I'm personally supporting. But at the same time, you know, the reality is, you know, black people, our views on politics are, you know, are all over the spectrum, just like every other group. And we have a right to be both progressives and conservatives and to be completely respected for those views. Now, have individuals looked at you different for, for, for your views as far as, say, just going directly towards Biden? Is that just because of the, the color of your skin or are you looking at policies help? Because I, I have a lot of people that just vote for that party for the sake of just that's what they've always known. That's what they've seen their relatives do. That's what they've seen their cousins do. But they've never really looked into the policies. What are some of the things policy wise that have you sticking with this party? So, I mean, for me, it's there's a number of different things. I mean, I, I was a very big supporter uh, of the Affordable Care Act. You know, when President Obama passed it and Joe Biden was his vice president, I really am a supporter of universal health care. It's one of the issues that I'm very progressive on. I just feel like in the wealthiest country uh, in the entire world, there's no reason why any man, woman, or child should go yep. without having access to health care. And yes. I know that's that is a perspective that, you know, that, uh, Vice President Biden absolutely stands for. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm very supportive. I, and another angle on that, too, that I'd, I'd even like to take, just sort of veering off a little bit, but is I, I personally believe that uh, universal health care is frankly good for businesses. Um, yes. You know, one of the, if you are a person who wants to be an entrepreneur and you want to start your own business, there are many people I know who really don't end up taking that leap because they might have a pre-existing condition or they might have children who need health care or they have a pre-existing condition. And they say, as much as I would like to start my own thing and do my own thing, I feel like because of this health care issue, I have to keep a job where I'm still working for a boss because at least I know I can get benefits. So I really believe that, honestly, um, we might end up paying a little bit more in taxes across the board. I'm not going to I'm not going to you know, skirt that issue in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah. I, but, but, I, but, I, but I do feel that at the end of the day, uh, it's the right thing to do, um, you know, from a value standpoint, uh, you know, to, to really be in line with the values that we, that we are for as Americans. But I also feel like it's actually a good thing for small business people and entrepreneurs knowing that their employees will be covered by health care. So they don't personally then have to offer health care to their employees because yeah. they will have health care through, you know, the federal government. But also, I think for the people, the entrepreneurs that want to start up their own businesses, they know they will not have to lose their health care coverage because they actually want to chase their own version of the American dream. Yeah. I mean, my, my thing, I mean, I have been my entire life, uh, I have had asthma uh, ever since I was an infant. Um, when I was 13 years old, I developed a chronic kidney condition that's, that's complete, been in complete remission since I was 13, 14 years old, but it's still wow. there. There's not a cure for it. And so those are reasons myself why, you know, I'm, I, I might make a decision and say, I want to continue working for an entity where I know I get benefits, 
as opposed to striking out on my own, uh, just because I have that concern. And so that's why I have so much respect for our small business people and our entrepreneurs who decide that they've got a talent and a passion that they want to show the world and they're willing to take that chance. But that is one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm, I frankly am a supporter of uh, Vice President Biden. And there's a whole other, you know, bunch of issues I'm sure we can probably touch upon as we keep going. But once again, I, I, I respect people who have any perspective on this. I tell people all the time, even when I'm in high school speaking to kids or uh, in college uh, speaking to students, I just want people to be involved. Regardless of your political affiliation, I want you to vote. I want you to take part in our system. There are many other places in the world where people don't have the ability to cast a vote and have their voices heard and have their viewpoints, you know, at the table. And so I just think, look, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, however you personally classify yourself, you know, get off the couch and get involved and vote. Yeah. So so what do you think can be done nationally to ensure um, there is proper representation in lawmaking decisions? And I'm, I'm pretty sure we just um, we kind of just touched on it is the, the power of voting. But in your in your in your perspective, what, what do you think can help us in those decisions making? Um, I think, you know, part, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, one, it's it, it could be running for office. I mean, you know, for myself, okay. my own personal decision was. Uh, I wanted to make sure that the perspectives I had or that the people around me in my community wanted at the table were represented. And so yes. my perspective was I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to run for public office. Um, okay. If you don't do that, there are other people who, um, you know, they they get involved in other ways. I mean, I know some <laughs> folks who do join. They join yes. boards and commissions for the city of Tempe. There are folks who are organizing right now from a community standpoint and protesting in the streets and trying to bring their viewpoints to City Hall in that way. Uh, I know other people who are heads of their neighborhood associations or run their homeowners association board, and they communicate with me on a regular basis and talk about Hey Corey, here are the things in my neighborhood and in my commu- my portion of the community that I frankly think the government here in Tempe needs to be focused on. And so I think that you know you can get involved in a very direct way like me and run for public office, or you can be just a very active, engaged citizen who serves as a volunteer or sort of nonprofit capacity, or gets to know your local elected officials and develops those relationships. So when there are things that are important to you that the council is deciding, it's not the first time you're having that conversation with that person, you have an established relationship where you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I know you guys got something going on on Thursday and I need to weigh in and let you know how me and my neighbors feel. That is that is crucial. And I can tell you those kinds of relationships matter to people who are in my position. As an example, um, you know, talking about perspectives and I'll give another shout out to, uh, you know, to Melody. Uh, You know, I mean, so Melody and Todd Elkin own uh, Sweetest Season, uh, Artists and Eatery, whatever. They're a a breakfast lunch restaurant in Tempe. Uh, Incredible food, southeast corner of McClintock and uh, and Guadalupe, uh, in between the fries and uh, Petco. So, but definitely go over there and check them out, whatever, because I can tell you, uh, not only is the food great, but they're very actively involved in the community. And the thing is, and I have conversations with Todd and Melody on a very regular basis, talking about how COVID-19 has affected their business, uh, what kinds of policies the city of Tempe can put into place that would make it uh, even more small business friendly. I mean, you know, and it's a, you know, it's a minority owned, woman owned business. 
Uh, and so, you know, and so those perspectives uh, that I have, you know, when I'm then kind of writing policy or working with my council colleagues to craft certain kinds of ordinances, uh, they're informed by the conversations that I've had with Melody and Todd behind the scenes where they're saying, Corey, here's what it's like to be on the ground when you're in our situation. And here's some of the things that we might like to see to make sure that we can truly thrive and be here after this pandemic. So do you think a lot of, well, the minority culture has always had a strong social um, like movement. Do you think that we lack organization and, and, and not taking advantage of actually, I guess, pushing for a seat at the table, even at the smaller level, like you said, taking over your HOA, your, um, your association or forming, you know what I'm saying, neighborhood groups, groups. Do you think that's the reason why? And how, how do you feel about black people organizing? I think we absolutely have to. I think that if we don't organize and we don't put our perspectives out there and either run for office ourselves or do a great job of informing our elected officials about what our needs are, uh, those needs are not going to be met. The votes will go the wrong way at the city council meetings because they're just not going to be represented in any way, shape, or form. So I do think I, I do think sometimes, you know, we have to do an even better job of organizing to make sure that we have people at the table. And it's not always, I want to be very clear, it's not always necessarily having it has to be an African American all the time in yeah. that seat. I you know, I think that there are all kinds of people of different backgrounds who can represent viewpoints of African Americans of you know, at, at the table, you know, whether, you know, at the school board or city council or state legislative level. But at the end of the day, you have to be involved enough in your government and take an active role where you're having conversations with those elected representatives, regardless of what they look like, to say, look, these are the things that we need in our community to be represented at the table. And I'm going to hold you accountable for them. At the end of the day, you know, I'm not just going to simply come here one time, Corey, or send you one email. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be up in your face People every couple of weeks. Door. I'm yeah. going to knock on your door. I'm going to show up to City Hall. I'm going to sit in the council chambers while you vote. And I'm going to make sure to organize my neighbors that if you are not responsive to the concerns of this community or my section of the community, then the next time you're up for re-election, we might just have to vote you out. So I think that we have to really be organized in that way. Uh, and make sure that our voices are heard if we if we want policies to be enacted that really help lift all of us up. So what what do you pose is the next step for a lot of people that are out there um, going strictly off of emotions, protesting and things of that nature? What are some proper steps for them to actually get their voices heard besides doing all the, the, the protesting after that's done? What's next for them? Um, I think at some point, probably the best thing is that I mean, the protests work. Um, yes. I, I, I definitely could say, um, as an elected official myself, the a, 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 an organized, sustained effort with clarity of message okay. absolutely does work. Um, it, it, it can't be something where there's 10 messages at the same time, but if you've got one or two or three demands and you repeat them regularly and it's clear to the person that you're, you're talking to that that's what you want, uh, that's a very effective message, effective way of getting your point across and getting policies changed. And we're seeing policies change not only in Arizona, but frankly around the country because of some of the organized, sustained efforts by people who've taken directly to the streets and taken their messages to elected officials and other decision makers. 
I think many times, too, it's also a matter of probably having one or two people who are the leaders of the marches and a lot of the organizing who actually are designated to go and sit down after the fact with the elected officials and say, hey, you saw the 500 people who were outside last Tuesday. Uh, I represent those folks, you know, in an official capacity. And here are the things that we would really like to work with you on. Um, I I think that having but I think there has to be clarity of message. Um, The message cannot be jumbled in a way where I look at it and go, I don't really know what that means. Or for the seven people on my council that we all that three of us see it this way and four of us see it this way. It needs to be straightforward and clear that it is easily understood by everyone. Um, so are, and, and, are we lacking leadership? Is that is that is that kind of like the, the the what's going on in the in the minority community? I, I I think we have the same levels of leadership, quite honestly, that every other community has. I mean, I know there are a lot of folks uh, in the African American community that I work with on a very regular basis who have who who are are very well connected know the issues and have lots of relationships. Uh, I mean, just as an example, uh, you know, Roy Tatum, who's the head of the East Valley NAACP, who's a, who's a close personal friend of mine. I mean, Roy is knowledgeable. He, he is a great negotiator, very easy to work with. He will hold you accountable. He will yes. make sure that you are doing what you say you're going to do, but he's fair and he's even handed and he has relationships with everyone. And so, you know, as an example, you know, the the NAACP nationally and locally has been very actively involved talking about police reform and criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. But Roy has regular meetings where it's not just people like me on the call. He has police chiefs from all over the valley who are taking part on these calls and sharing information and talking about reforms that they're either implementing or in the process of implementing. And like that, that happens because of his knowledge and his passion and his ability to you know, develop and maintain relationships with people from all different backgrounds, from the elected officials to the police chiefs, to people in the community who are out organizing and marching. And so when you have people who have the, that skill set, they can get quite a bit done. And Roy gets a ton done on behalf of the East Valley NAACP, and I would frankly say all of us here in the East Valley. And how do we support those individuals because you mentioned some of these names and i don't believe that a lot of minorities um in certain parts of the of the valley understand what's going on behind the scenes and may not even have the ability well may not know how to support that individual whether it be sending funds or whether it just be lending their support and or sharing a post or whatever that may be how do we actually get involved in knowing that these people exist So as an example for me personally, I mean, I'm a card carrying member of the East Valley NAACP. I believe I'm a silver member. Um, And so that's one of the ways that I choose to get involved is by putting my money where my mouth is and making sure I'm supporting a longstanding uh, civil rights organization that my parents were part of uh, and that a lot of amazing people are still actively a part of. Um, So I think there are clearly ways of doing that. They they were very responsible along with a lot of pastors, uh, people like, let's say, Representative Reginald Boulding in Legislative District 27 at really keeping the heat on certain folks to get Confederate monuments removed throughout the uh, state of Arizona. You know, I mean, those monuments, from my perspective as well, do not belong in public view on freeways and in parks. They might belong in a museum so we don't forget our history and we understand how we got to this place. But, you know, having monuments to people who attempted to secede uh, from the United States of America and doing an illegal act and then lost, 
I don't see why you'd have a monument up to anyone who was actually doing an illegal act and trying <laughs> to secede from the country. Um, yeah. but, but, but it was organizations like the East Valley NAACP, um, you know, and I think about, you know, folks like Representative Reginald Bolding on the political side who really led a long sustained push. Um, let's, uh, um, Roosevelt School District uh, board member, uh, 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 president actually, Lawrence Robinson, who's also a good friend of mine, same thing. I mean, he was on the front lines of that issue, uh, pushing for change. And so it's two things. One, I think it's supporting organizations like the East Valley, East Valley NAACP or the Maricopa County NAACP, supporting organizations like the Greater Phoenix Urban League. They also have an auxiliary group, the Greater Phoenix Urban League Young Professionals Group, which does a lot of incredible work. Uh, when I used to be the chief operating officer over there, they did some things that were just absolutely out of this world incredible. So yeah. if you can find ways to become a dues-paying member of that organization and support it, uh, I'm part of another group, um, REAP, that's through uh, the uh, um, yeah. Arizona Community Foundation. Yeah. Uh, you know, my friend, uh, Aseno, too, is a good friend of mine. And it's basically, it's a black men's giving circle where we yeah. contribute money every month. And then we have a chance to be on grant committees to make sure that those funds are directed towards causes that we, as the paying members, think are vital uh, for African-American men and for the community as a whole. And so I think that, you know, on two fronts, one, you know, support the nonprofits and civic organizations that are putting in that work and doing good things for the community. And then also, if you happen to know elected officials who are allies and supporting good causes, I talked about, you know, you know, uh, Representative Bolding and President Robinson, uh, you know, I mean, make sure you're supporting them, too, in their campaign so they can continue to be at the state capitol or in the school board so they can continue to do that good work. And also thinking about, you know, and, and just, you know, local shout outs to my, you know, my Tempe people, you know, yeah. I mean, Melody and Todd Elkin, uh, you know, Demetrius over at Word of Mouth, Grill at McClintock and Elliott. You know, if you're if you you should also spend money supporting local black businesses. If yes. you're out there and you and you're watching this and you have the, the, the money and the resources right now, even though I know that we're all struggling, make sure you go into their restaurants and actually put money into their pockets. That's the yes. best way to ensure that they are still around once this pandemic eventually subsides. So it's all of the above support black businesses support, you know, elected officials who are supporting causes that are good for African-Americans and support these civic and nonprofit organizations that are also putting in that work on the ground floor. I love it. I love it. So just kind of taking a little swing somewhere else. Now, what what can we do as a community to get more young people interested in um, political careers and careers that fundamentally impact laws? I think it's a matter of speaking directly to them. I think many times people speak at young people, but not to them. They're not really part of the conversation. And I think they need to be part of the discussion. Uh, so I think you have to speak to the issues that matter to them, whether it's talking about education or what kinds of jobs are going to be available at the point that they graduate from high school or graduate from college. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it is, is really, frankly, having those discussions. There's something in Tempe called uh, the Mayor's Youth Advisory Commission, where we have young people from all over the city of Tempe who come forward and they give recommendations to the entire city council about the issues that are the most relevant to people of their generation. I mean, what I mean, I, I mean, look, I might look young, but I mean, I'm almost 42 <laughs> years old, you know, so at the end of the day, I don't really know what the challenges yeah. for a 15 or a 16 year old might be. So it's imperative that I actually, you know, keep my mouth closed and listen to what they have to say 
and try to make sure that I'm really meeting their needs. Uh, also, I always, when I typically speak to, to younger people and students, tell them, if you have questions or you want to get involved in a political campaign or some kind of nonprofit or charitable effort, uh, they're always free to reach out to me directly. Uh, sometimes I get folks who want to uh, get involved, you know, from a um, from a political standpoint, and they want to do some internship work so they can shadow me and kind of see what it's like to be in elected office, and that's fine. Uh, I, I love I'd love to have them. Uh, I've got a, I've got a young woman right now, uh, Yasmin Al Alvarado, who's an intern in my office, who's been doing great work for three weeks. She uh, just graduated from Arizona State University, and now she's she's working for me at, at City Hall, which is great. Um, you know, and, and, and so, I mean, I think that those are the kinds of things that, you know, that we can do. Uh, and obviously, if you don't want to be involved in the political world, but instead it's a cause, maybe it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hunger issues or homelessness or affordable housing or, you know, or, or everyone having adequate child care. Uh, you know, I've been connected to a lot of different organizations that are involved in all of those pivotal spaces. And so if someone reaches out to me directly, I'm more than happy to point them in the right direction. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned homelessness as a, as a cause to, to to fight against because someone had asked, um, how is the city of Tempe dealing with homelessness in the midst of this pandemic? So we are really redoubling our efforts. I had a conversation just last week uh, with a, one of our deputy city managers, our human services director, our community services director, our police department about kind of what we are doing moving forward. The city of Tempe actually spends quite a bit when it comes to human services, and it's actually a lot more than a lot of other surrounding East Valley cities. But we also face different kinds of unique challenges that other communities don't face. And so what we're trying to do right now is really take a hard look at what we're doing, what's working, what isn't working. Uh, the things that are working, we're going to clearly try to put more money and resources into to grow those programs and to grow that kind of outreach. So the things that aren't quite working as well, we're either going to try to fix those things or eliminate them. So we're not just simply spending money on things that don't have proven metrics or outcomes. Yeah. Um, and, and so I had a conversation a week and a half ago with one of my other uh, council colleagues, uh, Council Member Joel Navarro, with members of the faith community, about ways that they want to continue to help. Uh, you know, the faith community for a long time has run a program in Tempe uh, known as I Help, and it's the uh, Interfaith Housing and, Emer and Emergency Lodging Program, and it's basically a collection of our congregations who uh, who have beds every night for. Uh, you know, our homeless brothers and sisters, I mean, they roughly have about 40 beds between all the different congregations, but they've talked about wanting to do more and wanting to grow their capacity. And so they had a big meeting with us, you know, on virtually, you know, about a week and a half ago, talking about ways that they could partner with the city to do that. One of the people just brought up a very, one of the pastors brought up a very seemingly simple thing, which was, how, can, how do we work with the city to expedite getting social security guards for a lot of folks that we work with on the streets, because without a social security card, it's impossible to get them any services. So yeah. that's one of the first things we need to do just to make sure that we can open that door to get them the services and the assistance that they need. So, so my perspective is we're going to continue, you know, supporting the programs that work. We're going to continue yeah. to approach this from both a local and a regional perspective, but we're also going to try to do some new innovative things to make sure that during this very challenging time, we're reaching as many people as we possibly can. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Um, because We've we've seen images of you know what I'm saying tents being taken down and in Tempe and a lot of people are, I mean I'm sorry in Phoenix and a lot of people are actually wondering you know where do those people go um, after their their 
place of residence for say um, to say um, is actually destroyed. But and I also had another question from a actually a, a young individual. They they noted that they're actually 15 and they wanted to know how is it being a minority um, and not only running for elected office but being in a uh, elected office and have you de dealt with any racism in this um, in this job? You know, I will tell you, I have been very fortunate that. Uh, other than a couple of isolated incidents over the last 10, 12 years that I've been involved in the political world, for the most part, my experience has been nothing short of exceptional. Um, you know, the people of the do city you, of do Tempe. You from how you carry yourself? Um, I believe it's, it's, it's partially how I carry myself. I believe it's also reflective of the, the values and the people who live right here in the city of Tempe. Um, it's a very open-minded, progressive, forward-thinking community. And I yes. think that, that is, yeah, that's also very much responsible for me being welcomed with open arms and being so successful uh, in the political realm. So, um, but, I, but I also think that it's a matter of, you know, uh, I, when I was running, I ran on a certain set of issues that appealed not only to African-Americans, but that appealed to people from all different backgrounds across the spectrum. Uh, and I believe that people you know, really responded to them because it resonated with them. And, um, and I think that people just of all, you know, people of all colors and all backgrounds, I think really just respected that the hard work that my campaign put in, we were very, I mean, we were just out there all the time, knocking on doors, talking to people, uh, sharing our message for the city of Tempe and where we thought we should go moving forward. But also at the same time, just listening to people. We had a lot of we would listen at the doors. We would have little neighborhood events in people's backyards. And I did less talking and just a lot more listening. And so I feel like that's when, by, you know, that's why my uh, kind of, I don't know, my history and my interactions with people in Tempe have been overwhelmingly positive. I believe we have done the work, but I think it also is just sort of indicative of the values of the people who live here and work here. Now, have you felt any pressure? Because I mean, who knows how much pressure Barack Obama had to deal with in, um, in making a, a group of, or a culture happy at that time? Have, has there been any pressure that you felt in making sure that black issues stand out over other issues? Or are you just kind of just, I want to make sure that I just tackle the issues that I know are wrong and that my community are speaking on? It's more the latter. I mean, I more feel as if, you know, I just need to to listen and make sure that I'm tackling issues that are um, that really matter to people right now. Uh, at the same time, I mean, I've been asked this question a number of times about, like, let's say an issue such as uh, police reform. Uh, that's a situation where I do feel like being, you know, the city's, you know, African-American, first African-American mayor, that there is sort of amongst some people, there's a heightened expectation that, mm -hmm. you know, you Corey, you, you understand this stuff instinctively, uh, you know, given where you grew up, given who your parents were, given some of the experiences that you have likely had growing up. And so I think there on that issue in particular, there is more of an expectation that I will really come in and take a hard look at things and change the things that need to be changed. I have a great relationship with the Tempe Police Department and my interactions with them have been excellent. And the, the thing I will tell you is, in my conversations with our police chief and my conversations with her senior command staff, 
and in conversations with our union representative, they have all been very open and willing to come to the table to talk about reform. There has not been any pushback that I've gotten internally before I got elected or after I got into office saying, well, Corey, we're not going to do this. And this is just a non-starter. And we're not doing this. And you don't understand. And there's been none of that. It's been very much we recognize that we live in very different times and that the community's expectations about policing are changing. And we have to make sure that we are up to date with what those expectations are. So I'm glad that I have partners that I can actually work with uh, that understand the same concerns that I might have or that our community might have. And they're willing to work alongside me to get those things done. Um, but for the most part on other issues, I generally feel like it's just a matter of, uh, you know, really making sure that I am focused on the issues that matter to people, that I'm listening, and that I'm just addressing them as quickly and as thoroughly as I possibly can. So is it a mis, uh, misconception that there is a ton of pushback because you're African-American? I hear a lot of people say that a lot of changes don't happen um, politically because an individual may be African-American or a minority in the system will push back on their forward progression. Is that a, is that a misconception or is, have you ran into that at any time um, during your, your mayor stint? I, I, would, I wouldn't say it's a misconception because the reality is I think we have to honor everyone's personal experience. And, and I think that, you know, so for me, I mean, I've been mayor for only three weeks. And so, you know, not a lot of time to really you know, give probably a very thorough answer on and that entire, issue. In an entirely different time. <laughs> in an entirely different time. But I would say, I mean, from my own personal experience during my previous eight years as a council member, no, I felt like the city staff, um, you know, the people who did business with the city, uh, whether it's folks in economic development or nonprofit groups or our residents, I felt like they treated me the same way they would treat any member of our city council, which was very fairly and in an even-handed kind of fashion. But at the same time, I definitely, when, when talking about a more global issue, you know, do not want to downplay uh, some of the systemic challenges that African Americans face when they're come, when they're trying to break into the political realm or in the business world. Uh, there definitely can be barriers, and a lot of them are just sort of institutional barriers that are built in that make it harder to break through. And so I definitely, while my experiences in Tempe have been overwhelmingly positive, I definitely want to make sure that I'm honoring and doing justice to those who may have had other challenges, whether in Tempe or or, or elsewhere, quite honestly. Love it, love it. I mean, you've, you've touched on, on a lot, answered a lot of questions. I can see um, just from the many people that I've spoken to that the support that you have in the community um, is, is great. And I can see why um, you're easy to get along with and communicate very well. And I'm happy to have had this experience with you. Um, I mean, every time I've seen you, the communication is, is always great. People seem to be attracted to you. I mean, what are some things that you plan on doing for the remainder of this year to continue to push those positive vibes out to the community in the midst of everything that's going on, people losing their jobs, businesses closing, uh, people getting sick, some people getting tired of wearing masks to help people. How is the city of Tempe inspiring and motivating people to get through this together? 
Well, you know, first of all, thank you for that. I really, I really appreciate it. And I mean, I, I love the job and I'm happy to be here. And I hope that that's what comes across when I bump into people uh, is that I'm obviously happy to be here. This is the job that I always wanted. It's the opportunity I always wanted. So I definitely hope that comes across when I'm interacting with people. Um, to that point, I think, I mean, there's a whole host of things. I think it's just a matter of us, uh, you know, working with our business community to, for you know, and right, you mentioned something before about um, you know people not wanting to wear masks. Uh, let me, I, I should speak on that because that's a very timely issue. Let's go. The city of the city of Tempe does have a mask mandate uh, in place, as does Maricopa County. We're not asking people to wear masks, or we're not telling them to wear masks because we're trying to harass anyone, because we're trying to make someone uncomfortable, because we're trying to make you stay, you know, stay away, whatever. We're doing it because it is, you know, from the CDC guidelines and everything we've seen from people in the medical profession and folks who have far more background in science and medicine than I do, that is the best possible way to keep from transmitting this virus. I'm a person who's just getting over it. Uh, I got diagnosed with it back on June 30th. Uh, as of July 16th, I got my, my updated test results saying that I was negative and I've 100% recovered. Uh, but it's a serious situation. I mean, I had a mild case, but even a mild case by normal standards meant I had issues, you know, from a breathing standpoint, because I already have asthma, as I talked about earlier. Uh, I lost my entire sense of, of, uh, of smell and taste during that time, along with having the traditional symptoms of having a fever and body aches like people would have with the flu. So it's a serious, it's a serious illness, and we've got to do whatever we can to prevent it. So if we're telling you to wear a mask, it's not because I'm trying to harass you or to annoy you. It's because I'm trying to make sure that we can really get the numbers down and honestly, if you're talking about the economy and saying that you're concerned about our small businesses, which I am as well, because I've got tons of friends who are in that world, wear the mask so we can actually flatten the curve and stop the spread and avoid another shutdown. Another shutdown would be catastrophic oh, to our small business people. And so if all we're asking you to do is when you walk into a restaurant, wear a mask, and when you sit at the table and begin to eat and drink, take the mask off. If that's all we're asking you to do to keep our restaurateurs in business, do it. That's all we're asking. And at the same time, you know, we're trying to do whatever we can too, to listen to the concerns of the business community to make sure that we're not putting the onus of enforcement on them. We really want to try to make sure as the city of Tempe, we take that on. We recognize that the people who are selling food or other goods and services. They're not, you know, they're not the police department. They're not, they're not private security. Mm -hmm. I mean, what they're doing, they're in, they're in business. And so we recognize it can be hard because every now and then you get a person who comes in and wants to get openly hostile about, well, I'm not putting my mask on and you can't make me and all this stuff, you know, and it's like, so we really want to try to, you know, begin to, and this is something that I'm actively working on right now, take some of that onus and some of that pressure off of local businesses and really try to give them the tools to survive and to thrive during this time and make sure that the enforcement falls on people like myself and people at the city of Tempe. So that's something I'm really going to be working on. But of course, all the other stuff that, you know, uh, I talked about earlier, uh, you know, making sure that people can stay in their homes. I've you know, been an outspoken advocate to and I'm glad the governor uh, decided to, you know, once again, put a moratorium on evictions. Uh, because there's a lot yes. of folks who are really struggling financially. And 
Honestly, once again, putting a moratorium on evictions helps not only the person who's renting the space, the apartment or the house, it also helps the person who's the landlord. Because the majority of people in this country who are landlords don't own large apartment complexes. They own some kind of a house or one one place or a little duplex here and there. And so honestly, that moratorium helps everyone to be made whole during this time. So there, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to be working on. I mean, you know, affordable housing, uh, homelessness, you know, COVID-19, police reform, economic development, small business support. There are a lot of things I'm going to have my hands in, and it's going to be a big job, but you know, I'm excited to take it on. I mean, this is, this is when you want the job. It's when you have yes. opportunities to do really big things, and I'm hoping that I can get that done. All right. Well, before we get out of here, I got one question. When are you going to open the gyms back up, man? Oh, man. Tell me about it. So, so in, in, the, in the building I live in right now, the gym is closed, too, because of, you know, because uh, of the governor's orders. I think so at, at the um, governor's press conference on uh, last Thursday, uh, he extended the gym closures to August 10th, I believe it was, uh, for another two weeks. So, you know, look, I would assume uh, if if people, you know, once again, if people mask up and put the mask on. Is that, and is that, the, so why why is it a mandate if, if we're asking people to protect each other? Why, why was it mandated? And that well, I mean, melody. Man, 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 <laughs> mandated from mandated from the city or from the state, from like the, the state. masks. Up. Oh, the so so yeah. So there's no. The so there's no. Well, I, guess, I guess you can't answer from the state before the city. Well, so so for the state, whatever. Um, for this, for the state, there is there is not a mask mandate from the state. Basically, okay. uh, the governor uh, put out an executive order saying. I, I am going to let the local cities and towns make a determination about whether or not they want to require their residents to wear masks. So that was um, your choice? You know, uh, no, actually, so it was my predecessor's choice, uh, okay. Mayor Mitchell. Um, and uh, but but it's a, but it's a policy that I support. I'm okay. not passing it off on him. I mean, had I been in his shoes at the time, I would have done exactly what he did. I mean, the reality is was we got to a place where we weren't we were one of the top three places in the country, us, Texas, yes. and Florida, for a spike in COVID cases. And at that point, you have to do something. You yes. know, one of my number one responsibilities as the mayor of the city of Tempe is to protect the public health and public safety of our residents. If we don't do that, then nothing else matters, honestly. And, 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 and so I think that we have to do whatever we can. And so that's why, for me, and I know that people across the board have different perspectives on, on mask wearing. But my thing is, I think it's a small thing when it comes to, if, if, if you can actually, if you can, it's a small sacrifice when it comes to stopping and slowing down the transmission of this virus. So we all can continue to enjoy the places that we enjoy and to make sure that we don't have another spike in cases. Because if we, if we end up, God forbid, Having another spike where all of a sudden, one, two weeks, the numbers jump back up. Next thing we're, we're likely going to see another full shutdown of the economy where yeah. everything is shut down again. And I know a lot of our small business owners, they can't take we'll another stop. full shutdown. So so I think so. I So from my perspective, I view it as my responsibility to protect myself, to protect my 81 year old father to protect yes. the people that I interact with who might have a weakened immune system for whatever reason and 
as, as to, to protect our local businesses who need patrons and people to continue shopping. That's why if I go out to a grocery store or a restaurant or a Target or whatever it happens to be, you'll, you're going to see me with my mask on until this pandemic subsides and it's really gone away or we have a vaccine. Um, but look, to your earlier point about the gyms, uh, <laughs> man, you know, I was tell you, I was, struggling. <laughs> I was, I was, I was working out. I was, I was lifting, you know, four times a week um, before and getting back in the best shape of my life before I personally got COVID. And then I, I couldn't work out. Anymore. And then the gym shut down right after that anyway. So, um, so look, I would love uh, for us all as a, as a state and as a country to get this pandemic under control because I, I want, I want our restaurants not at 50% capacity. I want them at hundred percent capacity. I want the bars to reopen. I want people to be able to go out tubing and to the parks and everything else. I want the gyms to reopen so people can work on their fitness, whatever, which will help them, you know, in all walks of life. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we got to get a handle on COVID-19 and everything will steadily begin to reopen. And I can't wait. I can't wait. And we're going to we're going to we're going to end it on that. And I, man, once again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you have a busy schedule. I know that you have some other things to do um, throughout this day. So you taking the time to to chat with me on this on this podcast and take some of the questions that people threw our way. I really appreciate it. So I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Corey Woods. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. And is there any last thing as far as inspiration or advice that you want to share, not just with the minority community, but with this, with the city of the Tempe, um, city of Tempe and all the individuals that may be watching or listening to, to push through these times, to be inspired, to go out and make change. What's some of the last things that you can let the people know and give to them? I think the biggest thing I would tell everyone is that, and this is this is challenging, and I don't say this in any kind of um, condescending way or anything of that nature, but at the end of the day, we're all going to be fine. I mean, we have, there's been, uh, I mean, people have gone through, there's been a lot of things that have happened over the course of humankind that have been uh, just, I mean, you know, catastrophic. I mean, it's just really, really challenging. This is clearly one of those times. I asked my father, uh, a few weeks back, I said, Dad, are we all blowing this pandemic thing? Are we are we blowing this up a little bit too much and making a big deal out of this? That he said, Corey, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I mean, so when you know, when your father, who's 81 years old, is telling you that I've been around for quite some time, and <laughs> yeah. this thing, I have never seen anything like what we're currently going through. It's it's serious business. Um, mm. But at the same time, I definitely want to, you know, I definitely want to say that like we we're going to be okay, and I just think we have to you know, do whatever we can to to stop the spread of this virus, to love each other and to make sure that we stay connected to one another, that we help each other through these times. And I think that's the most important thing we could possibly do. Make sure that you are really reach out to your friends and your family, be there for them, be there to support them. And we're all going to come out on, on the other end. OK. Love it. Love it. Well, again, I appreciate your time uh, for all the people that watch this on replay. If you do want to submit any questions um i'm personally following um mr woods on instagram so i will definitely make sure i forward those questions over to his dm and actually you see his instagram over there on his uh, on his lower third so make sure that you follow him on instagram 
we got the mayor elect out of there and it just says mayor now so you're gonna know that who you're following is the right person and once again mr woods i appreciate you um running for office you know what i'm saying winning and supporting the community and the city of tempe again thank you for your time sir thank you so much hey have a wonderful night awesome and you guys know how i end these things so as always i love y'all peace love strength and god bless peace Thank you.